Okay, okay, everyone, let's calm down. I know we're all on edge about the recent volcano eruption in the middle of Los Angeles. So I've brought in the mayor's personal volcano experts to explain a few things and hopefully quell your fears. So let's give a warm Hill Valley high welcome to Dr. Bradley Davis and Professor Christopher Maxwell, Jr. Thank you. By a round of applause, how many of you have played The Floor is Lava? And how many of you have played TV Tag, my favorite childhood game? Fun, but not entirely relevant to our situation. Uh, for those of you who haven't played Floor is Lava, the object is to traverse the room, stepping on furniture and pillows without placing a foot on the floor. This situation is exactly the same. Except, instead of pillows, you should step on rocks or cars or anything that hasn't yet melted in liquid hot magma. The good news is, lava is slow. Based on my research, a brisk walk or a light jog should keep you out of harm's way. That's not exactly true, but it is important to not panic. That's right. Being as the initial eruption has already occurred, we can forget about and move on from those who have already boiled alive in the boiling Molten rock. A horrible way to die, based on my research. Fortunately, we still all have time, so settle in. Hopefully, any questions you may have will be answered by the movie Volcano. Uh, is the kid from the AV Club here with the TV yet? No? Ah, the lava got him. From Los Angeles, California, it's High on Film! Tonight, we've got Regina Connolly and Volcano. I'm not paper, I'm lava. What beats that on tonight's episode? Welcome to another explosive episode of High on Film. I'm Chris Maxwell, your host, and you've caught us in the middle of another Fraternal Twin double feature. Fraternal Twin film? What does that mean, you ask? Well, if you would have listened to last week's episode, you'd know. Two films released around the same time dealing with very, very similar subject matter. This time, we are comparing and contrasting the pair of volcanic films released in the year of our Lord, 1997. Last week, we dove deep into Dante's Peak, and today, we're going back to our old stomping grounds at the La Brea Tar Pits, where a volcano has just erupted to discuss Volcano. Directed by Mick Jackson of The Bodyguard fame, and written oh. by Billy Ray and Jerome Armstrong for the screenplay uh, based off the story by Mr. Jerome Armstrong. Lots to get to, but before we go any further, let's get to my co-host. He's the co-host from The Couch, the podcaster of disaster, and the Brad Davis that God gave us, my co-host and friend, Brad Davis. Hi, Chris. Hey, Brad. How's it going? Oh, it's going all right. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Now, we're both Westsiders now, but we used to live... Right by the La Brea Tar Pits. Right there, yes. And now Walking there's a, an enormous volcano exploding. 
And uh, well, I hope we just have enough time to record the rest of this podcast. I think we do before the lava seeps onto the west side here. And we're we're staying here as long as we can. We're going to podcast as long as we can until the lava eventually destroys us and anything around us. Yeah. So unless we can put some buses and buildings in the way, to yeah. Stop the lava. Boy, boy, a convenient. A really convenient way to stop lava. It is. Um, yeah, but we're, we're we're here for the listeners until our time eventually runs out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Trying to get the the content out for you, the listeners. It's it's all for the people. And much to talk about today. So joining us once again from the Theronathon and Keanu Review podcasts, a frequent collaborator here on High on Film, our friend Regina Connolly has returned. Hi, thanks for spending your last moments with me. <laughs> oh, Regina, thanks for spending our last moments with us to you. I mean, I, I mean, I'm happy to do it, but also run, run for your mm. lives. Lava is, I think, kind of slow. So we have some time. I think we have about an hour to 70 minutes to, to bang out a nice discussion about this movie we just watched. Okay. How are your jumping skills? I feel like that's going to be a big determinant in how you hold out. Pretty good. I got some nice calves. I can okay. probably get some air. Yeah, they used to be better, but sure. I still got I, I still got some hops. Sure, time makes fools of us all, but you know. Yes, yeah. Regina, your husband and another uh, friend of the show here on High on Film, Bob Shields, uh, just said to me before we started recording that Dante's Peak is the deep impact to volcanoes Armageddon. And now, after revisiting both of these films, uh, which I have not really seen since 1997, I fully endorse that statement and uh, think that it can't be more true. This has the flashier cast. Uh, it's a little dumber. It's, I think, a little more chock full of action, uh, whereas Deep Impact uh, tries to settle itself into the science of things and take things a little more seriously, a little more... Uh, I guess in the steps of a scientific method, uh, than than say this lovely little film here. How do you guys feel about the two? Do you have a? We'll we'll get to a point where we say same scene and compare the two. But do you have a, a clear favorite, or are they kind of uh, neck and neck for you? Oh, clear favorite for me. Really? In that I like Dante's Peak much better than this movie. Interesting. And I have not seen Deep Impact, but my understanding is that generally Armageddon is considered like the fun one. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I did not think that this movie was fun in many places. And I, I just thought the action was, I thought the action in Dante's Peak was better than this. Oh, okay. Okay. Brad, how do you feel? Uh, I agree. I thought Dante's Peak, this is going to sound silly to say, felt more realistic for uh <laughs> For a volcano eruption movie, um, and this one feels pretty, pretty silly throughout. I was, uh, I, I audibly groaned a couple times in this movie, where I don't believe I audibly groaned at all in Dante's Peak. So, I think part of the problem for me between the two is like in the title, like Dante's Peak is like this is a specific place that is specifically happening, and volcano is sort of like generically all of Los Angeles and an assortment of generic Los Angeles, um, and it's just a generic volcano that's happening. Um, well, they don't name it until know. the end of the film. At the end of the film, they what christen it Mount Wilshire. Oh, okay. I right. must have missed that. Yeah. yeah, my eyes may have been rolling when it was happening. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna, I mean, spoiler alert, I'm going to be the outlier here. I had way <laughs> much more fun watching Volcano than I did with Dante's Peak. 
we can get into why. I mean, it mostly boils down to the fact that I think the what I loved the best parts of Dante's Peak for me were I wanted lava. I wanted lava, and it gives us <laughs> you no did. lava. <laughs> you get lava in this movie. You get a lot, of lava. a lot of lava. So this is it what I'm coming shitty. into a volcano movie for: lava. And I, I just found the camp value to be so much more high and fun than in Dante's Peak. Yeah. Where there's two moments of camp in Dante's Peak and they feel like outliers and they don't really feel like they fit. Um, Grandma jumping in the acid lake and burning herself feels very campy, but in a very serious movie that tries to be scientific. Here, full camp all the time. And I I just embraced it and, and loved it. So... Yeah, I mean, I thought Dante's Peak did a pretty good job. Like, all, like, the horror movie elements to it kind of made it feel campy mm-hmm. to me. Definitely. Um, so I feel like it's a little more camp than maybe you're saying. But I I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, there's – this movie has more um, just things you can kind of enjoyably laugh at. Yes, yeah. Really wacky yes. premises for action sequences, for an action yes. set pieces. Yeah. I just I think this one um, so much of the movie is uh, delivered to you by like newscasters in the background. Oh, I'm gonna um, get into that because that as well. yeah, it's it's distractingly terrible. <laughs> so I felt more like like a bunch of vignettes, um, which uh, sometimes good, sometimes like I felt like some of the plot was like watching the slow moving lava. I was mm. like, is it gonna get to the next bit or not? Um, that it is... has its moments. I think if I had if I had seen the last scene, which we can get into, at the beginning, I would have gone into the movie with like a different mindset. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And I did. I will say, it's funny to me that I felt Volcano was kind of like Deep Impact, just because Deep Impact is so much about news and reporting. <laughs> I was just going to bring and, this up. The whole and, third act of Deep Impact is a news report. <laughs> yeah. And this movie, like, th- I, again, I'll get into this more later, but, like, there's so much news reporting in this movie that seems totally uh, unnecessary or frivolous. Uh, but, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna dig into that later. All right. Well, before we go any further, we've prepared a quick little trailer to reintroduce you or perhaps introduce you to the fir- for the first time to this lovely little movie called Volcano. Here it is. In a world where 9 million people unknowingly live on top of an active volcano. What's magma? Lava. Lava? Uh, here in LA. All right, we know that stuff is lava. What do I do next? Tommy Lee Jones plays Mike Rourke, the director of LA's emergency management. And he's on vacation. Vacation means you don't come in. But just like an REM song, that's great. It starts with an earthquake. Get in the door frame, stick your head between your knees, and kiss your ass goodbye. But this is no normal LA earthquake. The shifting of the tectonic plates has unearthed the volcano in the La Brea tar pits. All we said was Coanga was geologically unstable. The whole city's geologically unstable. Well, thank you for coming. Don't we blow up tunnels under it? And find me a scientist, geologist, somebody tell me what the hell is going on. Got it. Enter Anne Hache as Dr. Amy Barnes. The volcano killed her one true best friend, and she'll never forget it. Together, they'll use concrete, skyscrapers, and exactly zero on-screen chemistry 
to mobilize the city and save millions of lives. Twentieth Century Fox presents a checklist of everything you'd want to see in Los Angeles, like the La Brea Tar Pits. It's as if the tar caught fire melted and somehow expanded. Trendy shops. Where you said you want to go to the family center? I'd like it. And celebrities. Oh, great. Walk far as your hand. Tommy Lee Jones, Anne Haish, Don Cheadle. Gabby Hoffman, and John Corbett. These people are strangers, Jay. Are you gonna die for them? The coast is toast. Hey, this is like putting a band-aid on a broken leg. Please, please, you can't just leave me. Go. Go! Volcano. You have it. I'm on vacation. See, how can you not love a movie like that? It has all the lava. Yes, the CGI is a little hit or miss, but mm, come on, miss. lava everywhere. And that's what I want. Look, I'm excited that you enjoyed it. Don't don't feel like you have to defend it. You love it. I do love it. I had a lot <laughs> of fun about volcano. this. Yeah, we Chris can, loves Volcano. Chris loves Volcano. I will defend it more when we get to scene work. But right now. And now it's time for Trash. Star. Destroy. That's right. It's time for Trash Star Destroy, the first segment on the podcast. We give you three movies of a similar ilk and ask you to make the tough decisions. We ask that you trash one of those movies, which means it's eliminated from existence. You get to star in whatever uh, film you'd like, in whatever role you'd like. To satisfy your fragile actor ego heart and then of course the third movie must be destroyed which means that the only version of that film that has ever existed has been both written and directed by mr michael bay of the island fame so let's start out with a category we've called billy ray screenplay the screenwriter of this movie and of many successful Hollywood movies is a gentleman by the name of Billy Ray. So let's do three of his screenplays. We'll do the first Hunger Games movie. Uh, maybe some of the finest acting I've ever seen from Tom Hanks. Captain Phillips will be our second film. And the third one, we talked about her a lot last week. And now she's back. Terminator Dark Fate. Hunger Games. Captain Phillips, Terminator, Dark Fate, Trash, Star, Destroy. Linda Hamilton. Did I say Linda Hamilton? I don't think I said. That's the her. I was talking about. <laughs> it's a big, yeah, that's a big one to mention. <laughs> sure, sure. That's helpful. That's helpful. Yeah, she's in Dante's Peak and Terminator, Dark Fate, in case you skipped last week for some reason, like a crazy person. What are you guys doing with this? Trash, Star, Destroy. <laughs> So I was torn on this one because I do not like Tar Terminator Dark Fate. I think mm. it is a bad movie. Mm -hmm. But I do like Linda Hamilton. And if she would like a check, I don't want to stand in her way of getting one. Uh, and since I already think it's bad if it's rewritten and redirected by Mr. Michael Bay, 
who knows, a glimmer of hope that something better could come out of it. Um, So I think I'm going to give that to him. uh, And I'm going to get rid of Captain Phillips because Tom Hanks is fine and we'll be fine without that movie. Uh, We still have 800 to choose from. Uh, And I'm going to star in The Hunger Games. And I have not seen it in a long time, but I'm kind of like, if you're in that movie, you're in a franchise. So like that is fun. Uh, unless you're one of the characters that dies. Um, so I think I would be, Still could be Effie fun. Trinket. Still could be fun, but you're just not going to be in like eight movies. Yeah. Uh, one of the like crazy, like the crazy costume people. I think she's the one who like helps Katniss with her outfits and is maybe not bad in the end. I can't remember. It's been a long time, but I would love to have uh, elaborate costume and makeup work. So that's what I would do. Are you talking about Elizabeth Banks role potentially? I think so. Yeah, I think you are. Yeah. yeah, like I just can't look as sad as successfully as Jennifer Lawrence does. Mm-hmm. So like I'm not coming for that role. Um, so I'll go for like the the big campy lady. I like that. Well, I'll tell you, I'm, I'll jump right in this. I'll join you in the film. I'll take the PETA role. I'll be Josh Hutcherson for five movies or however many there are. No problem there. And then, yeah, I guess it's kind of hard for me to not want to see a Michael Bay Terminator movie. So, yeah, let's do it. I mean, Schwarzenegger, he came back for Dark Fate, so that's even better. A a Schwarzenegger-Michael Bay collab, I'm in. And yeah, while the last 15 minutes of Captain Phillips I do think are uh, pinnacle Tom Hanks acting, I'm sorry, I think it just has to go. It's uh, it's no longer the captain now. Uh Uh-huh, well played. Thank you. I thought it was Um, a little obvious, but I feel like we had to say it. It is, but it was worth it. Um... Yeah, I think we're all in agreement on this. Mm. I'm going to start in Hunger Games. I was going to be PETA as well. Uh, I guess I could also be um, Liam Hems- Hemsworth's character. Gail. Gail. Is that what the name I think is? so. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. I mean, I, I sounds great. Um, uh, just for just argument's sake. Just in a love triangle. It'd be great. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Me, me and Chris in a love triangle with Jennifer Lawrence, as we all knew it would end up. Worst love triangles uh, to be in. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'll take the Gale role. A Michael Bay Terminator movie is, is too good to pass up, especially if you have Linda Hamilton in it. You are already have a step in the right direction so he can only fuck it up so much. And yeah, Captain Phillips, I really, I do agree with you, Chris. Uh, Hank's performance in the last five minutes of that movie is some pretty top-notch work. Uh, But overall, he will survive without it. He has two other Oscars still and plenty of other classic films. So he will survive. And yeah, that's we we all agree on that one. We all agree on that one. All right. Well, let's let's see if we can throw a little curveball here. We have got one more category: uh, the culmination of Trash Star Destroyed in this Fraternal Twin double feature. Because just like the guitar solo on Van Halen one, this is an eruption category. Uh, <laughs> that was a joke for me. Uh, <laughs> So three say, movies, it's not for me. <laughs> three movies with volcano eruptions will do. Last week's movie, Dante's Peak. This week's movie, Volcano. And another Tom Hanks classic, Joe versus the Volcano. Dante's Peak, Volcano, Joe versus the Volcano, Trash, Star, Destroy. Boy, big Tom Hanks week. Big um, Tom Hanks week. Big Linda Hamilton double week. Also true. 
I think I'm starting in Dante's peak. If I'm being honest, please be honest. I will. I I, I always will be with you. Bad. I would never not, not with milk in it. I've jumped ahead. I wouldn't lie in milk in it either. But also trash star destroy. Um, I'm gonna start in Dante's peak. I, I'm gonna take the Pierce Brosnan role. I mean, um, I don't know. It, it it's the lead role, and you get some fun stuff to do and some hilarious dialogue to say. So I'm feeling good about that. I do feel like Michael Bay doing a movie about a volcano erupting in LA makes a whole lot of sense. The only way it would make more sense is if it was in Miami, but um, (laughs) can't have everything you want. Mike, so I'm giving Volcano to Michael Bay, and then I'm going to trash Joe versus the Volcano. I haven't seen that movie in 20, nope, longer than, I was going to say 20 years. It's definitely been longer than that. I hate doing math when it makes me feel sad about myself, and um, <laughs> I, I I don't remember this movie that well. I, I remember not liking it a lot, but I was also probably about 10 when I saw it, uh, but I'm pretty comfortable trashing it. Okay. Sorry, Meg Ryan, who plays multiple roles in that movie. I just found out. Her her and Tom Hanks have plenty of other films together. It's true. That's that's true. Two. Two more. Uh, two more. That's plenty. But they, they made a large impact. A deep impact, if you will. Yeah. Ah, bravo. <laughs> Golf clap. Um... Yeah, I I feel like last week I could be misremembering, but I did did I possibly cast myself already in Dante's Peak as the the neighbor who looks salaciously at them, being like, "You guys having a nice night?" Because like, look, I think I could do that part, but I don't want to say the same thing twice. I was gonna say you still want the part. That's fine. Like, it's the role you were born to play, Regina. Look, I can be nosy and you know <laughs> use my eyebrows, but I think I'm just I'm gonna go give myself a curveball. Have never seen Joe versus the volcano. Meant to watch it, did not watch it. But you know what? Goodbye, Meg Ryan. The chance to act opposite Tom Hanks would be like what a dream. I don't even know what she does, so this could be a terrible mistake but since it's not actually going to happen i feel safe taking this risk um and i'm going to get rid of volcano because as i've said not a big fan and give dante's peak to michael bay all right i'm torn here i just watched joe versus volcano for the very first time this week uh it's fine there's some nice romance at the end meg ryan like i said plays three roles very cool good for her she's very good nathan lane and a vagoda are in brown face though so that's interesting oh no uh, okay maybe oh, i should yeah. revise i should have gone after you chris <laughs> yeah <laughs> i just want to be the neighbor that being said <laughs> no no it's quite all right i i uh, see i'm tempted to star in volcano and take the tommy lee jones role because i think one i gotta have better chemistry with Anne Hage than he does uh two i'd like to just Trade barbs with Don Cheadle all day in a big old disaster film. Sounds great. That is fun. Yeah, that is fun. But it's 2021. Hollywood works in a very different way now than it used to. Like we said, franchises are all a thing. So I think I'm going to take Tom Hanks's role in Joe versus the Volcano and get in early with Spielberg and Kathleen Kennedy, who produced that film, and mm. uh, let that carry my career for the rest of time. Oh, but then, yeah, then I think I have to trash Dante's Peak because I'd rather see Michael Bay 
erupt a volcano in the middle of Los Angeles than have him running around with Pierce Brosnan and Linda Hamilton. Although I'm sure the the set stories about Pierce Brosnan and Michael Bay, I, I'm sure will be quite entertaining. But uh, unfortunately, I think that's going in the trash. So there it is. Sorry, Dante's Peak. Sorry, Dante's Peak. Yeah. And yeah, well, I guess we'll get, I'll try to lobby to get Abe Vigoda and Nathan Lane out of that movie too. That was a, that was an interesting surprise to me because I looked at the cast list and I was like, oh, look, Abe Vigoda, Nathan Lane. Wow. Who knew? And then you get to what they are playing and they're like, oh, wow. Okay. Natives. Oh, yeah. Very cool. Ugh. Yeah. What year is that movie? Like 88? Too soon. Oh, no. I think it's before 88. After 88. It is 1990. Really? That's what IMDb oh. just told me. So that's after big. Interesting. Okay. All right, guys. Well, that's Trash to Destroy for another week. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more Volcano, more Regina Connolly, and more High on Film right after this. Sick of Hollywood misrepresenting volcanoes again and again? Well, join Werner Herzog on a journey to the world's active volcanoes and find out that all those silly volcano movie facts are absolutely true. That's right. Lava bombs are real, people, and you should absolutely track them through the air. Sorry for doubting you, Anne Heche. Come for the gorgeous photography of the only three volcanoes in the world with exposed magma. Stay for the detour into North Korea, as this is one of the only movies that has been allowed to film inside its borders. Sorry, Seth Rogen. Starring Werner Herzog and his conviction that this beautiful world will kill us all. What we worship can destroy us. Werner Herzog's Into the Inferno. Welcome back to High On Film. We're still talking about Volcano here on the show with Regina Connolly. And now we're digging into why I liked it so much. We are ranking the top three and the bottom three scenes from the film. Of course, we're an optimistic podcast, so we will start out optimistically with... Best scene. What are our top three best scenes from Volcano? Number three. My number three scene from Volcano is kind of a wink and a nod to another movie. Which is towards the end, <clears throat> uh, Tommy Lee Jones is basically coming up with a plan to stop the lava from taking over LA. And they're all kind of surrounded, they're all around a car. And it's very reminiscent of the scene from The Fugitive, a movie I absolutely love, where he, you know, every farmhouse, hen house, dog house, whatever house, looking for the fugitive and there's like i interpreted this way i don't know if everyone does but there's a point where he's like looking around like somebody's trying to lead this plan discussion around the car of what to do and tommy lee and they're kind of messing it up and tommy lee jones kind of looks at him like oh you don't know how to do this and then brings it like like starts coming up with a plan where it feels like he would never be the person to be doing it in these circumstances. He brings out a map and he's pointing to like the things on the map. And he even has, I wish I would have written it down. He even has like a moment where he's kind of going through a list of things similar to in the fugitive when he's doing the dog house, hen house, farmhouse, whatever. Um, And I just got 
a kick out of it. It might be just me interpreting it as like, oh, this is a wink and a nod, but it felt very purposeful uh, of his Oscar winning performance. So I very much enjoyed that and got a kick out of them just being like, hey, we're not going to even shy away from this. We're going to lean in and be like, hey, remember that cool thing he did in that one movie? He's going to do it again here. If it ain't broke. Exactly. Also, the font on that map, it was truly the largest sized map I'd ever seen in my life. <laughs> and Brad, he definitely had the authority to take over because this position that he has allows oh, right. his power to supersede everyone else in the city in the event of a disaster or emergency. Right. For some reason, he wasn't acting like he had that power in the scene, but they do literally say it at the beginning of the movie. They type it out for no fucking reason. Not for that, you know. So you know <laughs> that he has all the power. He's just yeah. in the control room where Cheadle is. Instead, he's unexpectedly out on the ground. Of course, he always is. Yeah, has to be. It has to be. It's just like uh, Keanu Reeves in Speed. Yeah, there you go. Although Harry's really the expert, so. Yeah. Uh, bad, bad example, bad example. My number three is something uh, a little a little subtle for this uh, non-subtle film. Uh, but I think L.A., the way they handle Los Angeles is really well done. Not only I think it's shot pretty well and very realistically, um, it's still, even though they filmed this in like 96, 97, it still feels like a very modern L.A. And they don't shy away from uh, the beauty and the problems. Like there's multiple shots of, homeless encampments and homeless people that are foregrounded. I'm not really sure why, but I kind of appreciated the true representation of Los Angeles. And even down the parts where like Beverly Hills is protesting, having a uh, Metro line run through their neighborhood, which is still happening because people who live in Beverly Hills are fucking pricks. Uh, but although that's not even really Beverly Hills at the Beverly center. No, I know that's because... more like mid Wilshire. We hope, yeah, but I mean, it's close enough, yeah. but still, Beverly yeah, Hills. Yeah, yeah. totally, totally. Yeah, I, know, Regina, I know what those you things know. are. Regina, you know, Beverly Hills wants to claim uh, Beverly Beverly Center as their own, for sure. Yeah, I mean, Beverly's in the title, so I guess. Yeah. Uh, but I just really appreciated it, and I, I think it was really nice uh, the way that L.A. was shot, and I was very surprised that even 30 years ago, it still feels very modern and very much like the L.A. that, that still exists, um, and I just appreciated that. Yeah, I, I, I liked uh, the opening sequence like for that, of like sort of like setting the tone. Um with lots of different like news clips. I thought that was nice. Um, my, my number three, when I watched the movie, I put in my notes, like this could be top or bottom. It could really go either way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the, the ending running montage where Tommy Lee Jones is running to save his daughter oh. and a random small child um, from an explosion by just being near to her. They'll be fine. Um, and I feel like if I had seen that at the beginning or something similar, I'd be like, this is the movie that I'm watching. I maybe would have been more like, here we go. And also, I'll be honest, I was kind of running out of things to put in the top three. So that like bumped <laughs> it from a possible bottom vote to a top vote. But also, like, he's just like trucking it in his like 80s dad jeans. And I did enjoy <laughs> that. So I great, great call of like the borderline best scene, worst scene. Because mm-hmm. watching that scene, it just felt very funny to me that it's the classic, like, run and dive and get, you know, like, yes. knock the kid out of the way. But it's a building falling. It's <laughs> yeah. not like it's a 30-story building. Too. 30-story. It's not like it's a bullet where you're, like, knocking the person just right. out of the way at the last second. No, this is a gigantic building. There's no mm-hmm. way, like, the debris of said building wouldn't still kill you. 
if you just knock them out of the way, I found it very funny. It was borderline for my worst scenes. Well, that's why I was like, I was like, it just, it embraced what it was. Mm -hmm. They were like, yes, we are doing this. Like, as I mentioned, a favorite film to reference, which I brought up last week. In the film Sahara, halfway through, they're sort of like, so this is incredibly ridiculous. Is this what we're doing? They're like, yes, this is what we're doing. And I like that when movies like know what they are. And I felt like this was a moment when Volcano was kind of like, we should have told you earlier, but like, this is the movie that you're watching. Yeah. So number three for me. Yeah, I can appreciate that. I also think it's very funny. Uh, They have such a spatial relationship problem in this because where Tommy Lee Jones was hunkered down before he starts his run, when he's running... It seems like the explosion is exactly where he was. Putting, mm-hmm. like, so it's like, you were not safe there, bro, even though uh-huh. you should have been. Uh, but very funny. Also, for that unnamed small child to tr- make that path that he makes in those final moments is he has to be the fastest three-year-old on the planet to get through that kitchen, that whole parking garage, and back out the other side. I was like... How's this kid covering this distance? He's trucking. He's trucking. He can get away. He can get out of the way of the building if he wants without Tommy Lee Jones' help if he can move that fast. <laughs> that means we're on to the inevitable number two. Um, number two was, for me was the blackout. Uh, the blackout that leads into the um, Anne Hayes' character, which I can't, I can't even think of her. Oh, Dr. Barnes. Uh, her and her uh, partner, uh, Rachel, who's like her, the person on her team, they go down into the um, tunnel, whatever you want to call it. And so there's like a blackout, they're down in the tunnel, and then there's the the volcano basically emerges from a crack in the bottom, and Rachel, of course, uh doesn't survive but i really did like the tension in that scene like there was probably more tension in that scene than almost anything in the movie for me um and you know somewhat a, a main character's best friend or what, what however you want to term it is always you know adds a adds a level of uh, drama to it but you know the i, I thought it was interesting to like have a blackout take place right before like a volcano like to me that's just adding levels of fear to the situation i just thought it was it's a clever way to like lock things down and to um add this level of fear of just everything's blacked out and then you go right into this death scene of one of the main character's best friends so i thought that was pretty good tension all right yeah regina my number two is relatively small, but uh, at some point, I think it's right after the blackout, uh, we're in the like the home office of the organization that Tommy Lee Jones is in charge of, and Don Cheadle is wearing a hat, and his coworkers make fun of him for wearing a hat, and he's like, I will fire you if you touch or talk about my hat. And uh, that was hilarious to me. And also, it just is an opportunity for me to be like, the real hero of this movie is Don Cheadle, because he's the one who's actually doing all of the work. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm kind of like the movie's like, oh, Tommy Lee Jones is doing stuff. I was like, no, he's not. He's like leaving his kid in a car. He's just like generally like, oh, what's immediately in front of me? But I'm like, Don Cheadle is organizing all of the rescue services throughout the entire city and saving everyone. And Tommy Lee Jones is like, I got a giant map and that's it. So I feel like the fact that he can save the city and sass people about his hat is uh, he's the real hero of this film. Mm. Hard to argue with that. Don Cheadle. 
always the unsung hero. Indeed. Truly. <laughs> Number two for me is I'm going to go back to the end of the movie here. Uh, the the final the final bit of the lava hitting the ocean, and then we zoom out in Los Angeles and see the kind of like smoking volcano at the tar pits. And it, it, again, it's very small uh, for something that I, I had a very fun time watching this, but I love that it types up at the end of the movie over, you know, this, this scene of wrecked Los Angeles now. And it says, volcano, Mount Wilshire, status, active. In real <laughs> yeah. big letters. I mean, that is exactly <laughs> how I want a disaster movie to end. That it still could erupt at any time. And then, of course, blackout, credits roll, cue Randy Newman's I Love L.A. I mean, I was like, this movie <laughs> ended and I was like, brah fucking vo. I mean, way to nail the dismount. I thought it was so hilarious and so good. Um, I, I'm a little shocked there was never a volcano, too. So. <laughs> I'm not. Um, yeah, the I Love is... LA song, which I think cool. they played, which I think they play at the end of every Dodgers game when they win, I believe. Yeah, it's in a bunch uh, of movies, too. Yeah. yeah, I was like, oh, this totally feels off. Um, <laughs> what? But, <laughs> to each their own. To each their own. Okay, uh, well, that leaves us at number one, best scene. For me, the best scene in this movie, which is the equivalent, which is the equivalent to me of what I believe I chose as the best scene for Dante's Peak, which was uh, Linda Hamilton's mother-in-law walking in the river, the acid river, and having her legs burn. The best scene in this movie is John Carroll Lynch, Stan, walking through the uh, subway with a person on his back as his body, as his feet are burning into the lava. And then he gets to the edge and realizes he can't make it. So he just leaps into the middle of lava just so he can get far enough to throw the person off his shoulders and save them as he then just sinks into said lava. It is, I mean, if you want to talk about camp, Chris, that is ultimate camp in this movie. And it's also very much like the scene from Dante's Peak. It is the one scene from this movie that I truly remembered. Like mm. when I started watching this movie again, I was like, oh yeah, right. This guy fucking dies. And it is insanely over the top and I can't wait for it. And it lived up to my own hype. Well, and we should mention, uh, just like the scene in in uh, Dante's Peak, uh, John Carroll Lynch is a original doubter of the of severity of the emergency, and therefore then must redeem himself by sacrificing his own body to save an innocent. He melted into that lava faster than Alex Mack turned into a puddle. It was truly <laughs> ridiculous. That and I was the like, reference. love the reference. <laughs> He needed to throw a thumbs up, though. I was like, come on, as you're going down, just. That would have been awesome. That would have been incredible yeah. if he did it. And he's and, and also you have to throw in, too, that he's saying like uh, he's praying as he's walking. Yes. It's very row, row, row your boat. It's uh, not as bad as row, row, row your boat. Row, row, boat bad. is terrible. But it is, again, the scenes line up so parallel for me in these two movies as just like. Yeah. Uh, oh, we'll get they, to that. There are a lot of parallels. Yeah, there are. We've got a whole special section for that today. 
Uh, well, my number one, years. guys, you know it's that sweet lava action. It's <laughs> oh. I, I'll, I'll put it down to, to one scene. Of course, it's it's the the eruption. I love the the newsman who's explicably on the scene in his car talking to. We assume, I guess, NBC or CNN on the phone. Who knows? But who knows? It's loud. Just it's chaotic. Mom. Things are just you know. <laughs> Lava bombs are falling out of the sky. And he's like, it's roaring. It's roaring. And then suddenly, silence. And then a low rumble starts. And then, boom, the tar pits explode. And then we get all that cool, hot lava action flowing out Mm. everywhere. Starts creeping in. Starts getting towards the car that, uh, what's her name? Gabby Hoffman. (laughs) Young Gabby Hoffman giving off. Crazy Shailene Woodley vibes in this movie. I see the I see the comparison. Yeah, yeah, and you know, to to further just emphasize my love of the lava scenes, of course, John Carroll Lynch. But when Tommy Lee Jones and Anne Hayes get stuck in a triangle of lava, oh yeah, the bus, and then they get a fireman's ladder to to help them and their one injured person, and then the fire hose <laughs> catches fire and burns right up into the guy's crotch like it's like it's a james bond villain trap i thought that was just phenomenal i i did think it was weird that like the fireman the fireman's ladder was just starting i mean it's lava so you can't really plan for that but it was just starting to melt i was like i feel like that's a real problem for firemen's ladders if they can just melt while around heat but it's lava so it's not your average building fire i, I think, get it but yeah, it was kind of funny in the moment. like you can melt metal in lava you don't just stick metal in fire and, I, I i i totally like buy that like that's why it didn't end up in my worst scenes but it was a little funny that it's like oh this fireman's ladder is melting but here's the thing though the fireman's ladder was melting because there was lava below it but their human bodies were fine yes Great also, point. they kept Great yelling point. at the man whose legs were on fire. They're like, yo, like, stop moving. And I was like, he's not in control of this. He's burning. And also injured and like, on top of that. on the ladder. <laughs> what? He's also very injured on top of that. They find him injured before yeah. he starts burning. And they're <laughs> so mad at him. They're like, come on. <laughs> very, very good. <laughs> ah. um, my My number one scene is, it's a... It's a couple of things stitched together and it kind of, I think if the movie had gone in the direction where I'm reframing it, uh, again, I would have liked it more. But like, here's the thing. Anne Heche is, is can't be a scientist in this movie because no one in this entire movie, it takes them like an hour to be like, maybe this hot red goo is a volcano. Like they keep being like, I don't know, underground, there's like red stuff. I don't know what it is. They like refuse to admit that it could be a volcano. Like no one knows that that is a possibility. And that drives me insane. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think all of the quote unquote like science she does, if you imagine her instead of a scientist as like a spiritual medium where she's like dropping a basketball and watching it roll around. And she's like, I think they're telling me we should do this. Or like when she comes out of the hole after her friend has gruesomely died she looks at the boiling lake and i'm like that's like a witch sign like there's no way that this lady is a scientist she just stands there and looks at the boiling water and like says nothing or thinks nothing like maybe it's a volcano she's just sort of like the spirits are moving um so i think again like if the movie had just gone in that direction it would have made more sense because her character is very confusing to me she seems to know nothing and also she like just doesn't say anything definitively 
which they keep framing as like a scientist has to be certain. And I was like, I think they can be certain enough to use the word volcano before an hour into the movie. I I totally agree in the sense of like she's supposed to be the expert, but then she's mm-hmm. literally seen her friend burn alive. She comes up, like you said, sees the boiling water. She's like seen so many now now she sees like the ash falling from the sky and she literally has to look uh, over and see the volcano before she's like oh my god it's a vo-. she doesn't say oh my god it's a volcano but the look on her face is like there. yeah i know <laughs> oh my god it's a volcano titular line would have been a perfect moment <laughs> yeah. for it but it it was funny to me that like all these things that should be so obvious to her that like what's happening literally doesn't click a hundred percent for her until she actively sees an active lava, volcano. An active volcano. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. wow, great expert. And then she gets yeah, and like, there's, completely sidelined just, for the like, whole third act of the movie. So I, I'm just no. like, go look for my kid that you never find. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you can't be doing anything else. Equipment. Yeah. Yep. She leaves it all she, behind like, the park and it gets stolen anyway in the, in the looting. Yeah, she's a charismatic con woman, you know, like at the very beginning, she's like, don't worry, I'll do this press conference. Look how cool I am. I can catch my own sunglasses was her like slick entrance to the press bit. And I was Horrible like, throw. She threw that and caught that so awkwardly. I was like, who d- <laughs> like who does this? Somebody on set should have been like, OK, we're going to need another take of that because that looked super awkward and weird that you're doing that. Here's the thing. That was the best take. You know they did it multiple <laughs> times. You're probably right. You're right. You're definitely right. But the whole right. framing, they were like, she's the cool scientist. And like, I get that the basketball would work, but having the scientist be like, I'm grabbing a ball and watching it roll around just is not really like the high action drama I was looking for. And th- But this is your number one best scene? Yes, because if instead of being a scientist, she's like ah, a magic gotcha, gotcha. Uh, magician, it's amazing. It's hilarious. <laughs> yes, gotcha. Well, she can predict I just where choose to believe. the lava bomb is going to fall, which oh, I also exactly. thought was the most ridiculous thing. Like, wait, don't move until you know where it's going to land. I thought they had a pretty good idea where it was going to land to start out with. <laughs> it's a lava bomb. I mean, I, I want to know, and I didn't look it up, if the technical term for that is lava bomb. And also, because... it never came back. I thought that was going to play out. But... Volcano 2, Lava Bomb. Absolutely. And Lava Bomb should be a much more like, that should just be shooting Lava Bombs the whole time. Just like the uh, the manhole covers, which actually was pretty cool. That was a pretty yeah. cool element. It's like the manhole covers just like shooting into the air and being yeah. credit where credit's due on that one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you can stop giving credit where it's due because now we are into worst scene. All right, bottom three worst scenes. Uh, I'll just continue this ball rolling because my my number three is, is pretty similar here. Honestly, it's it's the chemistry between Tommy Lee Jones and Anne Heche is just mm-hmm. so awful. Specifically, this one scene towards like the end where they're, I guess, doing improv with each other, but they're supposed to be like, it doesn't feel like a written scene. It feels like Tommy Lee Jones and Anne Heche are just riffing off one another. And it is so bad when they're when they're debating who gets to go back down in the sewer. And it's like, you can't go back down there. And it's like, well, I'm certainly not letting you back down there. Mm. And it's just oh, excruciating to watch. These two 
professional actors try and, and act like human beings for five minutes of this movie. Really, really tough stuff there. Oh, it's really bad. I do think they like captured the like when one person is like into another person, and the other person is not. Because I feel <laughs> like at one point in the movie, you were like, are they going to kiss? And it was maybe like the other person was like, no, no, you're, you're not feeling this. Like yeah. it just it looks so uncomfortable the whole time. Also, he looks like he could be her dad. Definitely. Yes, he definitely does. And yeah, the scene early on when they first meet and then Rachel goes to Anne Hayes and she's like, oh, so you like him, huh? And it's like, what about any of that makes you think that they like each other? Totally unearned. Their whole relationship is so unearned in this movie. Just like, oh, you guys have a crush on each other. Why? Like, at least in Dante's Peak, it's like, okay, Pierce Brosnan and Linda Hamilton. Like, they kind of plow through their relationship stuff to get to why they like each other pretty quickly. But you at least believe it. In this movie, it is so out of left field, is not earned at all. And you're right, Regina. Like, it legitimately looks like he's her father. Yeah. I think at the end, it ends with, like, his arm around her and his daughter. And I was like, it looks like this is, like, his older kid from a different marriage. Like, it does not look like this is his romantic partner. It's really true. Number three? Uh, Number three for me was the attempt at relationship between – I didn't write down the character's name, I don't think. Um, Between – the same one. Yeah, the the cops and yeah. the uh, the black man. Oh, who yeah. Like the racial relations between the LAPD where a, a black man is arrested for nothing, for begging. For asking a, for help. For begging a fireman to help his neighborhood uh, because it's going to get, you know, uh, you know, killed burned. by the lava, yeah. burned alive. And he's arrested and then the cop basically keeps him handcuffed for the last half of the movie while he's, mm-hmm. again, begging to help the people in his neighborhood. And then the this ends with, like, this other cop finally, like, uncuffing him basically because they need his help or basically because they want him to leave. And then he sticks around like, oh, I'm going to help you guys. And now we're uh we're all friends and this whole and i believe the last moment which i groaned audibly is like you're is the one cop who actually uncuffed the guy and then the bad cop who finally like thought the guy was worthy of letting go and he's like you're a good man whatever your name is jerry i was just like jerry good man jerry i was like you're not you are not you like this is the classic like late nineties, like, Hey, you know, racial relations, we can get along. And it's, it's showing like, Hey, we're, we're all on the same team. And it really, especially now where we're at, um, comes off, uh, just very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it it just doesn't work and it comes off. No, yeah, well, racist, but like, yes, it comes off racist. But I was more thinking, like, it comes off trying to play as this like really feel good moment in the movie, yeah. And it actually yep. plays as totally the opposite of like, yeah, this is exactly the problem. I was gonna say this was also on my list as one of the worst scenes because, again, like the point of the the arc of this storyline is about how the cop feels about everything, mm-hmm. and that it like requires uh, the person who is like unfairly cuffed and not arrested and like left in harm's way because there's oncoming lava, and then at the end when he is allowed to like leave and go do his own thing, he chooses to stay and help the police officers, 
and just like the the endless need for that person to just be accommodating and understanding and and that the the whole storyline ends with like you're a good man jerry because you let me release him and you allowed him to help you and you had like a small facial reaction to it like it was so uncomfortable to watch my clear number one is this is this scene now again very, very realistic and accurate portrayal of Los Angeles. That the only reason it's not number one on my list will not help the black communities and brown communities oh, yeah. in Los Angeles unless one black man helps them do their job and then they deem their neighborhood worthy of saving and and serving and protecting. Yeah. Aside from that little rage I had over that being incredibly accurate in today's Los Angeles. Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, the fact that they're only willing to serve the Black neighborhood after they arrest him and he helps. And then he's like, alright, you helped us out. Where's your neighborhood again? Oh, oh you're yeah. a good man, Jerry. Fuck mm-hmm. you so hard. Mm-hmm. I absolutely abhorred that scene. Yeah, and, and, and only like sends help to that neighborhood once they've basically stopped the volcano. Yeah. Like, yes. it is... The only reason it's not number one on my list is because of how accurate I actually believe that situation to be. Is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then the cops yeah, to pat yeah, yeah. themselves on the back, which yeah. I'm sure is absolutely true as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, also, especially because the movie, like, close to the end when everyone is covered in ash, and they're like, everyone's the same now. Oh, and I was like, that, yeah. that's oh. not the, the message, movie. Oh, same. The, the child, like, everyone looks the same. I was like, uh, mm-hmm. also, audible groan. That was yeah. two of my audible groans. I was like, oh, my God, fuck this movie. Yep, that was real I bad. mean, look, I was impressed by what I assumed their ash budget was because it seemed like it was astronomical. Like, the amount of ash that everyone had perfectly in their hair the whole time. It's a good ash budget. That's a good it's ash a good budget. Good ash budget. Yeah. But to ruin it with that terrible colorblind Ugh. line Ugh. It was that was rough. So bad. Yeah. Um oh. well that was higher on my list, but my number three was uh why is Aiden from Sex in the City even in this movie? <laughs> John Corbett. John like, Corbett, is that who that is? Okay. Yeah, yeah, John yeah. The scene where his wife is like saving people in a hospital and he's like, come on, you saved enough people. Let's go. Like, I was like, I get it. He's a bad guy, but like, I don't care about him. This has nothing to do with the lava, really. I mean, I guess the movie was kind of like rich people, they suck, which like, sure. Or politicians, they suck. Yeah, but it's like we had the scene also where they were like in the building and he's like, it's my dream. And I was like, is this supposed to make me care when they blow it up? Because I I don't. I think it's supposed to make you feel good that he's an asshole when they blow it up. But I'm also like, if it was just an empty building, I I would have the same feelings. Like, I I think the scene of him like hectoring his wife to leave her job and he's like, you're not answering me. And And he doesn't know how doctors work. He's like, these are strangers. It's like, do you think (laughs) doctors know everyone they operate on? Actually, it's usually like an ethical violation if they know them real well. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) When he said that, I was like. What? You only help people you know as a doctor? That's not how medical professionals work. Yeah, very crazy. And like, look, I like that dude, but that that his whole subplot, like, I agree with you, like the protest in the beginning of them being like, we don't want the subway, we do want the subway. If that was his only scene, that would have been perfectly serviceable. Like, we didn't need to the to know that he gave his wife a Rolex because he's a fancy man yeah. and that money's important to him. And like, he doesn't he doesn't have an arc. It's just very, it's just weird. We could have used that time to follow the little boy on his like journey through the abandoned building. He has no arc. His character basically no. disappears. Like you have this whole scene in the, when he's showing his wife like their new apartment or their new 
place to live. And you're like, oh, this guy's going to be a big character in this movie. And then he basically shows up one more time to bitch at her about doing her job in an <laughs> emergency, which is the exact thing she should be doing. And then that's and then he's like, I'm out of here. And that's it. I was like, OK, but why did we he need lava bombed? He, uh, I would have loved to watch him get lava bombed. I did like the moment there where he's like, you're not answering me. And she's like, I have answered you. It just keeps working. I did like that one moment. I thought that was yeah. pretty badass. But she's she's great. Yeah. She's great. Oh, okay. What number are we on? My list got completely busted there. So I don't. <laughs> I did number three. Two? So yeah, I'm at two for my worst scene. Go for it. My number two is, I can't even remember exactly where this is, but there's a point towards the end where I think this is where they've they've at least stopped the lava once. I think it's before they do they crash the building down. But it's Anne Hayes is telling Tommy Lee Jones, you know, active volcano at this point. She's like, you haven't evacuated the West Side. And he says to her, that's a million people. As if that's a good excuse not to evacuate a huge part of Los Angeles during an active volcano. Like he's, we've come so far in this movie now to have Tommy Lee Jones be like the dissenter. Who's like, no, who's like now, like, no, we can't do that because, you know, it's too many people to evacuate with just, and all it is is an active volcano felt totally insane to me. Like, we are almost at the end of the movie. We've already had all the characters who are like, no, it's not enough to evacuate. And now we're at the point where our main character is saying we shouldn't evacuate the west side of Los Angeles because of an active volcano. I just like, my head exploded when he said that. I was like, I can't, there's your, like, your motives at this point make no fucking sense. Yeah, this is this is my number two as well. So I'll just finish out my list here. I mean, it's not exactly that scene, but it is the fact that they have Tommy Lee Jones continually be the dissenter to science when that's clearly not his role. That's the John Carroll Lynch role and the John Corbett role. Like Tommy Lee Jones is supposed to be the one to believe it. Yet when he comes out of the hole in the out of the sewer in the beginning of the film and his suit is melting, he immediately is like, What's lava? What are you talking about? And it's like, you were just down there, almost boiled alive. You know seven men previously just died there. You've just made that very clear. And now you don't believe it? And I was just like, that's not his role. That's not this character's role in this film. And they continually make him a dissenter when it's convenient. And that really just bugged the hell out of me. I'm like, you have dissenting characters. Don't make your hero the dissenter. There's my number That's why two. Don Cheadle's the real hero. That's why. Well, actually, back to that too. At <laughs> least let's not forget. Tommy Lee Jones is supposed to be on vacation. <laughs> Just like Pierce Brosnan. Just like Pierce Brosnan yeah. at that speak. It's true. That's when they do their best work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when it's not expected of them. All right. Anyone else have a two, a number two to take? Mine were the cops. Yeah. All right. Well, on to the number ones. I've done mine. What do you guys got? Mine, it's it maybe is a little bit small. Uh, like I agree with you, Brad, that this scene was tense, but I hated when the the brunette died, where it was like <laughs> I'm the sidekick best friend because I just I that scene was so grisly, and I was also like, 
why are you going down into this hole where seven people just died and two other dudes just died? And like, again, if she's a spiritual medium, makes total sense because she like wants to just, you know, do stuff. But like, she's a scientist. This is a terrible idea. And if it's a sewer, don't they have to let people know? Because like, wouldn't water and sewage be in it? I don't know. The whole whole sequence of what this like mystical tunnel is, is weird to me and why it's full of tree roots and rats. Yeah. Tree roots in the center of Los Angeles. Not a whole lot of trees. (laughs) And I also don't understand how they can just go down there. Like at this point, exactly. uh, like, I don't know how they're, I agree with you there. I like, I don't know how they can just walk down there without anybody being like, no, no, this is blocked off. It was 4 a.m. Right, before the like cops leave show up. They clearly, they clearly mentioned that. Okay. But I'm also like, why isn't anyone above? Why don't they have like any sort of like safety equipment? And then the thing that really pisses me off most about her friend dying is a, like she comes out and she like pants for a while and is like a little bit sad about this grisly slow death of her friend and then later she's like oh she would have loved this about the active volcano eruption that is destroying lives and cities and i was like i don't think she would like i just i don't know like her friend's plot was just so bizarre of like i'm scared to go on camera i'm here to die slowly and then later be eulogized in a weird way about how much i would have enjoyed this like massive amount of destruction just bothered me because i felt like i mean i think this movie had a ton of slow paced deaths in a way that Dante's Peak really just had grandma but it was like her death like was really drawn out and then obviously the the melting man was really bad and then the like the bomb squad where the guy gets trapped and the other guy's like I'm not gonna leave you there are like a lot of like tender long deaths like meanwhile the dog is fine there is like a long scene where a dog escapes some lava um but I just yeah I did not like the the friend's death I was like this is just also, why didn't Anne Hayes die? Like, if her friend is boiling alive yeah. while she's holding her hand, but she's totally fine. No problems. Well, you know, like, the flame comes up, and then it's, like, sucked back in. And they did that a couple mm-hmm. times in the movie, and each time it seemed not believable, and it looked terrible. Then they, like, yeah. sucked the flame back in. And I also don't know why when Anne Hayes then comes out, there's not more urgency in anything mm-hmm. she's doing. She's Like, granted, she just lost her friend. I get that. But she's just like, we just watch her kind of meander for 15 minutes and then realize it's a volcano. Like I was saying before of like finally seeing the volcano and realizing it, though you just watched fire come up from, you know, Mm -hmm. the Earth's core. So it should have been pretty evident to a geologist or whatever she is what was going on. But anyway, I digress. It just seemed, again... Because it's in the title. The the film is called Volcano. So we know what it's going to be. So I don't know why it takes so long for geologists to say what it might be. That's all. That's yeah. my like big gripe, if you can't tell. Especially when they got the lava part nailed down from the beginning. They know it's mm-hmm. lava under the city. Lava. She's calling it a lava bomb. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. When I hear lava, the very next thing that I free associate with is volcano. So mm-hmm. the fact that no one in this movie can do that is is pretty hilarious to me. Yeah, like when they go to the the subway car and they're like, what's all that red stuff? Boy, it's <laughs> yeah. hot. Don't know what it could be, though. Brad, your number one? Um, my number one uh, is the reporters, as we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. Um, there's constantly reporters in the background, like uh, it, like almost like voiceover, explaining every decision being made as if they're behind like that they're there while the decision's being made. My biggest issue is, and maybe they explain this at some point and I missed it. They, we have all these 
reports happening as if they're telling everybody this, but the power's out. So how are these reports happening? And if they're happening, who are they happening to? I mean, maybe it's just over radios, but yeah, I think there is some power. And honestly, like we watch the whole city blackout. Yeah. You literally see an aerial shot of all of Los Angeles blacking out. So I don't understand who these reporters are reporting to. I mean, it's fairly easy for me to believe that there's some sort of generator or something. There's other news sources that are not localized that would be covering this from helicopters and stuff. Right. I, the power yeah. to the city. The New York like, office. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but they're like, it just feels, it felt, when I when this hit me, it felt so silly. Like, we're reporting on these things. We're doing it in this, like, lower volume. So it's, like, kind of not even prevalent. It's just kind of, like, happening in the background. It's all background, yeah. Yeah. And they're explaining everything that's happening where they don't really, but to me, it was just very funny to have, we know it's all blacked out in Los Angeles and they're acting like it's a Los Angeles news report and nobody can even watch or hear that. I like generators, I guess I, it just seems purposeless or it has no purpose. Yeah. I, I don't know. Other than I, like giving exposition. Yeah. Oh, well definitely explaining things we just watched happen already. Yeah. I think it gives a nice view of the city as a whole. Like you said, Regina with like the vignettes, like I think that's helps to kind of like patchwork. Hey, the whole city's going through something. But I mean, even in wartime, when powers knock down stuff, there's always reporters reporting. So that didn't really bother me. You know, hurricanes, power outages, there's always reporters on the scene doing reporting. So I guess that wasn't a a stretch for me to believe that they were just felt really reporting during a disaster. And it just it was distracting. Like literally when they're saying this, I'm like, I don't know why I'm listening to this. It's barely loud enough to like hear. And it just I don't know. It 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 felt stupid to me. I liked it when it was like you're hearing the news clips off screen, but it, when, it, when it was the guy in the scene we were watching oh, well, that's... narrating what we were watching, I was like, yeah, but you could just show me them doing that. Like, I don't need to hear him say stuff. I'm watching it, too. Um, so it wasn't for me, the generator. It, yeah. Yeah. And he's also I mean, that's a good point. And he's also like just in the middle of hell basically like why aren't you getting the hell out of there oh for journalistic integrity or something i have no idea we don't even know who he's talking to trying to get his peabody man i guess i mean everyone in this movie was way more comfortable with staying close to stuff than i would have expected like when they build the giant jersey barrier and then they're like we're just gonna stand right behind it and see if the lava doesn't (laughs) go through it and i was like not even gonna give it like six feet like they're just like they've got their arms on the barriers like looking over this beautiful sea of lava and i was like get up on the truck or something this is so close (laughs) also what were those fire hoses doing they're like pouring a bunch of water on the lava and i was like wouldn't it just turn to steam before it hits it yeah what's happening here out of ideas I'm sorry chris <laughs> no no it's quite all right you're totally right there <laughs> yeah when the water hit the lava i was a little bit like okay redirected towards the ocean great now the ocean's totally fucked <laughs> I don't think anyone in this movie was happier, though, than like when the Jersey Barriers like arrived on the scene. Like what a joyous moment. Everyone was so thrilled. Yeah, that they're able to scrounge them up so quickly. And so many of them. Thank you, Don Cheadle. Hero of the film. Hero of the film. Hero of the film. All right, guys. Well, there's a best scene. There's a worst scene. And since these are fraternal twin films, there also is a same scene. 
So here we go. We have uh, our comparison. Um, uh, Ten categories, which we are going to compare the two to find out which movie is ultimately the winner of these fraternal twin films. Uh, so the first three are merely factual. Dante's Peak was released first, so check in that column there for being released in February, whereas Volcano did not come out until April. Budget versus box office. Again, Dante's Peak was a little more expensive and probably because it was out first, raked in $178 million. Uh, Volcano, only $20 million, give or take, less expensive, uh, but only managed to rake in $123 million. So again, mm. Dante's Peak, check. Oscar nominations. I know it comes as a shock. Neither one of these films were nominated for a single Oscar. No. Uh, but But Dante's Peak did win uh, the SCAP for, uh, let's see, uh, for the top box office films of the year. Uh, It won a Blockbuster Entertainment Award for uh, Favorite Actress. uh, um, And it won two Young Artist Awards for, uh, oh, this is Dante's Peak, I should say, for Jamie Renee Smith and supporting for Jeremy Foley, the two kids in Dante's Peak. Deserving. Volcano, however, only won one award, and that was a COLA winner for Location Professional of the Year for Steve Dion for, I guess, finding Los Angeles as a location to shoot in. There's some good locations there. So, yeah, but unfortunately, Dante's Peak has taken home the medals. Now, here we are. Dante's Peak, a clear advantage, but will it stack up in these same scenes? Best Ruined Vacation. Who has a better Ruined Vacation, Pierce Brosnan or Tommy Lee Jones for you guys? Brosnan. His seems like more of an actual vacation for some reason. Because he gets to go to a different town? Yeah, or he's like actually seems like he's on vacation. Tommy Lee Jones just like has his kid in town and seems like it's almost uh, uh, more of a task than actual vacation. All right. I'm going to go Tommy Lee Jones because he doesn't even get out of town. So ruined vacation. I'm going to go Tommy Lee Jones, too, because technically Pierce Pierce Brosnan's vacation that we saw was just him doing sad push-ups alone in his house. And that's like a miserable vacation. So, like, you know, I think what happened in Dante's Peak... Uh, he found love potentially and also um tommy lee jones doesn't end up spending three days with a broken arm in a crushed car so like he gets off better as like you know he survived it's true and he gets to continue his vacation afterwards because he gives don Cheadle the the mantle that's right okay uh how about uh so volcano takes that one um best latchkey kids kids left alone by their parents during a volcanic eruption uh, is it Tommy Lee Jones' daughter here, or is it uh, Linda Hamilton's two children hijacking a car Ooh. to save their grandmother? I'll go Dante's Peak on this one because it feels way more egregious. Like, the fact that they leave the kids at the house, like, Tommy Lee Jones, I could see where he's like, oh, leave the kid in the car. Maybe it feels like that's a safe choice. It's That seems crazy, too. But the Dante's Peak one feels way more egregious. Regina? Yeah, I mean, I have love in my heart for the kid in Volcano because Now and Then was a big movie for me. I assume maybe not as much for you guys. Um, I like it. I like Abby Hoffman and Transparent. But I I think the the kids in Dante's Peak are the reason for the plot. So they have more of an impact on the whole movie because without them driving off to get grandma, we would never have the acid lake. We'd never have any of the stuff that happens. So I'm going to give it to them as better... uh, ragamuffins yeah i'm I'm gonna go i'm gonna go there too i mean who am i to go against two young artist award winners (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, Valley. Abby Hoffman's role is to just kind of not move. Like that's her character trait is that she freezes. Yeah. So like, that's not exciting. And she grows, she's an LA kid and she's a f- deathly afraid of volcanoes. Like most people I know who live here brush off volcanoes easier than anybody I've seen. Or volcanoes, earthquakes, sorry. I was going to say volcanoes? Yeah, you know, I mean, everyone's acclimated to volcanoes around. Yeah, we're used to it. All right. Uh, this one should be pretty easy. Best budding ro- romance between leads. I think it's a pretty clear Dante's Peak for this one. Absolutely. Uh, best dog rescue. In Dante's Peak, they pick up the dog off the car in the lava. In Volcano, dog rescues itself from the lava. I hated that scene in Volcano, so I'm going Dante's Peak. I'm going Volcano Same. as well. Yeah. <laughs> Dante's Peak or Volcano? I'm going Volcano. I think the dog did a great job of rescuing himself in Volcano. Oh, I just thought the lava coming. I don't know. It just oh, seems so. So you're going Dante's me. Peak, bro. I'm going Dante's Peak because I thought the I hated uh, the scene in Volcano. All right. Oh, sorry. Regina's going. I Dante's also Peak hated the scene in Volcano because again, gruesome friend death. But they're like, don't worry, the Chihuahua's fine. And I'm yeah. Like, Come on. And they're like calling for the dog to get out. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Okay. This this one might be tough. Best self sacrifice slash doubters redemption. Ooh. Is it Grandma in Dante's Peak or is it John Carroll Lynch in Volcano? 100% Ruth. 100%. I'm going Ruth. God, I'm going Volcano, but Dante's Peak takes it. <laughs> All right. Brad, it's fun to be a united friend. I know. I'm enjoying it too. Best eruption? I got to go Dante's, Dante's Peak. Peak. Yeah. Come on. I told you. <laughs> The, the, it's roaring, the, it's roaring, and then silence, God. Okay, fine, Dante's Peak. But Dante's the, all the smoke effects, that town blowing up. The yeah. bridges collapsing, like the whole... Okay. That's fine. That's I mean, that was one of my best scenes in Dante's Peak was the eruption, yeah. and it was not in this movie. Well, it was one of my best scenes in Volcano. All right, and finally, real, real horse race we got going on here. Uh, the <laughs> last category, best emergence from rubble. Is it Pierce Brosnan coming out of rubble after three days after he flips on his NASA thing? Or is it Tommy Lee Jones emerging from the rubble immediately after the building falls with two kids? And a I'll give Tommy Lee I'll give Tommy Lee Jones this one. Uh it Same. was way it was so over the top of an emergence of like standing on top of the rubble holding a child that's not even his. I mean that's that's some bold ass shit. Yeah. Yeah, I'll also give that to Volcano. That's fair. All right, guys. Well, eight to two. By a vote of eight to two, Dante's Peak came out the winner of this double feature. Yeah. Congratulations to everyone involved with Dante's Peak. They're they're so proud. They are so proud. <laughs> They've waited so long for this recognition. <laughs> yeah, finally. Yeah, it's been finally. a long time. That's it. That's scene work. We built a hell of a movie. And now let's get into our almost final segment. A great little game we call <laughs> Milking It. That's right. We're going to roll out the big computer of Hollywood Ideas 3000 here shortly, and it's going to provide us with a couple of pieces of information. First, it's going to give us each a time length at random, either 30 seconds, which we affect, uh, affectionately call the elevator pitch, one minute, which is known as the water cooler pitch or a minute and a half to be considered the boardroom pitch. Once you get those, you will also be given a genre, an actor, or a director in which to take any element of Volcano, reimagine, reuse, reduce, recycle, however you want to rearrange everything from the movie, add new elements, to essentially come up with a brand new movie 
title and quick summary to pitch to our Hollywood executives and make Hollywood a billion more dollars, if that's okay with you guys. So let's get the computer out here and see what she has for us. Okay. Oh, all right. It has me going first. I'm doing the elevator pitch. 30 seconds to get this out. Okay. As a spy movie. Volcano the spy movie. I like that. Brad, water cooler pitch for you. One American minute. All right. This is going to be this is going to be interesting. I'm uh, curious to see what you do with this uh, as a documentary. Ah, yes. A documentary. So yes. very realistic. So it leans well into that. Let's make a film about what's happening right now here in Los Angeles. Okay. Volcano erupts and lava slowly makes its way towards us. Regina, that leaves you with the boardroom pitch going up to the top floor to pitch the executives 90 seconds to do Volcano as a sci-fi thriller. Ooh, there we go. There we go, indeed. Well, we're going to take a quick minute to gather our thoughts, and we'll be right back with three brand new movies for your listening enjoyment after this. All right, and we're back right in the middle of milking it with three brand new movies, ideally, for your listening enjoyment. Uh, I'm up first. I got the elevator pitch. 30 seconds to get out Volcano as a spy movie. Okay, stepping onto the elevator at Paramount. Oh, here comes a high-powered executive. He's coming on the elevator with me. Doors are closing, and away we go. Okay, uh, John Corbett, our, our Norman from Volcano, he's a corrupt politician. He's using illicit funds to build his new Beverly Hills adjacent high-rise. Only the feds are on to him this time. They send one of their best to infiltrate his operations and come back with hard evidence to bring Norman down. Except the day our spy hero enters the newly built high-rise, it just so happens a volcano erupts down the street and the building is now being commandeered for destruction. Can our spy get the evidence he needs to bring down Norman and still make it out alive? Find out in The Spy Who Lavaed Me. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I approve. I'm into it. Thank you. Thank Great you. title. I mean, a perfectly bad title. Yeah, yeah. Copped it from a little, little James Bond installment, but... Uh, of course. What are you Makes do? sense. Yeah. Just have it open with a Pixar short. It'll be great. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Love that idea. That is a good idea. Mm -hmm. A good volcano reference. Lava. Mm -hmm. Out now on Disney+. Plus. Ah, <laughs> sponsor. Yep. Brad. Yes. The water cooler pitch is next. One minute for you to do a documentary. Mm -hmm on Volcano, on the events happening right now. In, Got it. In the, high on, in the high on film world, Brad. Right. Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah. Are you ready for this? <clears throat> I your, am ready for this. Grab your Dixie cup, because here comes the executive. And go. Okay, so a film team is following around Dr. Barnes, because they're doing a piece, uh, they're doing a movie about the Earth's core and the effects and it turns out that part of their documentary, uh, during the interview of their documentary, we get the earthquake. So now they're like, oh, very interesting to see how uh, a geologist would react to an earthquake. So now they're following her to see how she would handle that. And um, 
obviously as they're filming now, it evolves into a volcano. So now they're with her kind of on the front lines and the, but the main interviewer tells them to keep filming while now this interviewer is now involved in a lot of the decision-making and the help to stop said volcano. Um, and uh, they capture it all. We're getting all the behind the scenes decision-making. We're seeing it all happen now from the front lines. So the movie, the original documentary was going to be called core values but because it turns into this other movie, it is now, which I don't really have a great title, but we're just going to call it Mount Wilshire, semicolon, active. Oh, I like that title. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's great. I'll watch that doc. I, I love a good doc that starts off as one thing and then they find another story to go after. That's that's always fun. Yeah, exactly my thought. Great job. Thank you. All right, Regina, are you ready? The boardroom pitch. High-powered executives, sharp business suits. You're stepping into the boardroom. 90 seconds on the clock to do a sci-fi thriller. Away we go. Chuck, it's good to see you. I'm going to get right to the point. The 90s are back. And you know what has never gone away? Time loop stories. So hear me out. We're going to bring the natural disaster film back and we're going to have it on a time loop. And we're going to bring our cast of favorites from all the time loop things we've seen before. So the general plot is we're in Los Angeles and a volcano is going off and an alien race has stuck us in a time loop so that every time it erupts, they're using that power source uh, to power their civilization. And a handful of plucky characters throughout the city slowly start to realize that things are not the same uh, for them as they are for everybody else and they know that something's wrong so we've got Bill Murray as the city mayor and Andy Samberg as his plucky assistant and uh, Tom Cruise is obviously taking the Tommy Lee Jones role and he's coming to the mayor recognizing that there's a problem Emily Blunt is a scientist with some backup information we also have Natasha Leone as a patient for Kristen Malati as a doctor and they know that things are wrong and this cast of ragtag characters gets together and they go down into a tunnel because the only way to fight a volcano is before it erupts and this movie is uh, eruption day oh love the cast oh a stellar cast incredible cast i will say an alien race volcanoes going down to the volcano uh, certain people around los angeles know what's going on this sounds a lot like scientology is this a scientology <laughs> movie hey you know whatever sells in a boardroom i uh whatever people's personal beliefs are she said tom cruise right yeah yeah exactly <laughs> tom cruise is in it this this feels like this feels like battlefield earth too. another loose interpretation <laughs> of the myth of scientology long overdue who's to say yeah. who's to say well I mean, obviously christopher nolan is directing so it could take a long time before we even see it it's true but hey i, I applaud the effort i really love it i look forward to seeing eruption day great title for a star uh, a stellar cast a star-studded cast like they do with mm-hmm. all the other valentine's day new year's day etc and so mother's forth. day groundhog's day mother's day groundhog's day labor day but that's not star it's like three people anyway <laughs> Guys, that's the end of the show. Congratulations on selling three brand new movies. Great job, everybody. We only have one last thing to do, and that... Oh. Oh, God. Uh, Brad, uh, the lava's getting... 
pretty damn close. Uh, oh yeah, it's like, in the building. Yeah, we we should maybe get out of here. So let's let's hurry this up here. Um, one last thing to do, and that's Brad Davis. You just watched Volcano. What are you gonna do next? Well, Chris, uh, if I'm gonna watch a Tommy Lee Jones movie, I want it to be uh, the classic Tommy Lee Jones movie, which is The Fugitive. So uh, it's one of my favorite movies. Uh, I want to I want to see the whole uh, you know doghouse, farmhouse, henhouse speech. So I'm gonna rewatch The Fugitive soon. There you go. Love it. Regina Connolly, you just watched Volcano. What are you going to do next? Well, uh, Brad Davis and I are united front on this episode, yeah. so I, too, am going to watch The Fugitive, yeah. a film I've only seen once, so Ooh. I'm excited to revisit it a second time. It gets and better. his beautiful eyelashes. My favorite Harrison Ford performance. I think it's his best. Old. Yeah. Chris Maxwell, you just watched Volcano. What are you going to do next? Uh, boy, well, as soon as I get out of the way of this oncoming lava that is seeping towards us, uh, I think I'm going to watch Towering Inferno. Of course, Inferno. after that. Yeah, I'm going to watch Towering Inferno. I've never seen it. Another, like, classic disaster movie. It's not lava, but, you know, fire. I can deal with that. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, and that's it. Guys, thank you so much for doing the show. Regina, thank you so much for being part of this double feature. Uh, sorry we have to rush out of here because... <sighs> Lava. But uh, is there anything you'd like to plug before uh, our podcast equipment melts? Uh, I don't want to keep you guys, but uh, we have the Keanu Review and Theronathon are available where there are podcasts. We have Christopher Maxwell on our Bill and Ted episode of the Keanu Review, and we have a high on film crossover for Reindeer Games a long time ago. So revisit the archives. Also, uh, please run, guys. Please run. <laughs> Yes, most excellent plugs. Uh, and yes, on that, we're taking off. Brad Davis, thank you as always, my friend. Right back at you. Thanks for everything, buddy. Always. All right, guys. We'll see you once we get some new podcasting equipment. It's, I think we're going to have to leave this behind. This, oh, God. This, it's getting melted. Goodbye. High on Film is a Maxwell Davis Productions podcast. Original music by Zach Pfeiffer. For more information, follow at High on Film on Twitter and Instagram or email the show at thehighonfilmshow at gmail.com.